Hello and welcome to the St Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. Hello and welcome to the St Mark's podcast. I'm Matt and I'm going to continue our series looking at building blocks for a healthy church. So far we've touched on a healthy church needing vision being a place of home, a place of belonging, and a church that is marked by courage. They're all things that help define who we are as we represent Jesus to the people of Grimsby and beyond, so that they'll see Jesus in us and want him for themselves. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about Healthy Church being a church of prayer. And we've talked a fair bit over the last few months about prayer in its many different forms and styles. But today I want to talk about the power of corporate prayer, praying together. How as a a gathered people, as the church, do we pray and what difference does it make? Let me start by sharing with you a true story. In the weeks leading up to November the 9th, 1989, Christians were cramming into local churches and gathering on the streets of Leipzig, communist East Germany, to pray together for peace. There were barricades in the streets outside, beatings and death threats from the authorities, and hundreds of armed police expecting a riot. But it hadn't always been like this, given how hard it was to be a Christian under one of the most repressive regimes in the world. Wind back seven years previous, a local pastor had called his church to pray for peace every Monday night. And to begin with, there were often less than a dozen people huddled together in a cavernous barn of a church. It was seven years later that 8,000 people were crammed into that place to pray. And outside on the streets and in other churches, there were as many as 70,000 people joining the prayer movement. And whilst the church formed a, a protest of peaceful prayer, the state was preparing for anarchy. The whole event was expected to end in a bloodbath, with the Christians refusing to disperse and stop praying. Clutching candles and praying as they went, the pastor led the congregation out into the city square. Miraculously, no shots were fired. A week later, at the prayer gathering, the congregation numbered 120,000 and the East German communist leader had been forced to resign. A fortnight later, the prayers numbered about 300,000. Four weeks later, to the day, on November 9th, 1989, the Berlin Wall came tumbling down. One communist official from Leipzig made an extraordinary unguarded admission to a journalist. We were prepared for every eventuality, he said, but not for candles and not for prayers. The Christian church has been praying constantly for 2,000 years. When the church prays, things happen. And yet so often our corporate prayer life can feel a little, well, gruelling. I know that many in our church at St Mark's haven't grown up in church. It might be the first church that they've been a part of, but some of us have grown up in church. And the thing is, sometimes we can end up reducing our expectations of our prayers to that which is manageable largely by ourselves, or at best, mildly miraculous. We pray that famous prayer that Jesus taught, your kingdom come, and we end up using it like some sort of religious catchphrase. And we pray that, I don't know, one or two might join our church or that the food bank will receive enough donations or that Gillian's rash would clear up. 
And they're all good prayers. They, they certainly count for something. But what we can forget is that our corporate prayer is a heart cry and defiant petition for the kingdom of God to come and change the regimes around us. And so it's easy to be otherwise preoccupied on these prayer nights. They seem less important, and I am guilty of this too. I'm not great at prioritising prayer gatherings because, to be honest, I'm not always sure that anything will really change. I don't really have the faith to believe things will change or change quickly. I can be really impatient. And yet I do believe that Almighty God can change everything. It's just that what I believe in my head and my heart takes a little while to show itself in action. But it's as P. Gregg, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, says. He says, the hinge of history is the bended knee. When we pray, greater things happen. But how about you? Do you believe that God can change the world around us? Or maybe reduce that down a bit. Do you believe that God can change Grimsby or your town for the better? Or a little smaller, do you believe God can change your street I don't know, maybe do you believe that God can change a regime that controls someone's life, addiction, anxiety, abuse, negative generational cycles? Can God do that? Do you believe that God can overturn systems that oppress the poor, injustice in governments, violence in our neighbourhoods, and even apathy in the church? And if yes, would you like to move that faith into action and actually bear witness to walls crashing down by a persistence in prayer, alongside others who truly believe that God hears us, that he reigns over all, and that he transforms the world around us. That's the sort of prayer I want to talk about in this podcast, how you and I might be involved in that sort of prayer. I've got a couple of readings for today. The first one is incredibly short. It's from Genesis 4. 26 and it simply says this at that time people began to call on the name of the lord if you've ever tried reading the bible from beginning to end you've most likely read this verse before grinding to a halt in the book of numbers you'll have made it past creation the fall of adam and eve cain killing his brother abel and a whole load of the sons of adam and eve going forth to multiply all in four chapters and not much time has passed and the people of god come to realize that life on their own terms isn't going too great. Adam and Eve realised this the moment they ate the forbidden fruit, and so people start to call on the name of the Lord. We call this prayer. There are three key things that happen in prayer. Prayer is speaking, listening and being. And in no particular order, speaking, we talk to God and he listens. Listening, God talks to us and we listen. And being with God, we enjoy being present with God and he enjoys being present with us. So being with God is being in the presence of God. Not all three need to happen at once, but all three are important in prayer. And so this calling on the name of the Lord tells us that the people needed and they wanted to know the reign of God in their lives. Perhaps they were in a desperate state. They need a rescuing. If you think about it, nothing's really changed. From the very earliest time up till now, people are still calling on the name of the Lord, even if they're unsure who the Lord is. The good news for us today is that we don't just call on the name of the Lord when we have a problem, because we are friends of God, and that means so much more. 
The Apostle Paul put it like this in Ephesians 2.18. He said, through Jesus, that's the relationship we have with him, we have access to the Father by one spirit. So Christian prayer is to God as our Father. And we don't just approach him in troubled times. We can just enjoy being in his presence. Prayer is like climbing into the lap of our loving Heavenly Father and just resting in the safety of his presence. And we can chat back and forth, or we could say nothing and just be together. And we can do that personally, and we can do it corporately, calling on the name of the Lord. Second reading is from Acts chapter 4. And here we find Peter and John, and they've been speaking to people publicly about Jesus. And literally thousands are coming to believe. And it's like miraculous, life-changing stuff. People are being healed and saved. But the religious leaders are freaking out and they demand that they stop. But they won't. In fact, they tell the religious leaders what Jesus is doing in and through them. They actually use the moment to share their Jesus story. So Peter and John and the others are threatened. But eventually they're released. And this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 4 verses 23 to 31. The believers pray. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place they were standing was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know, it's not the only place in Acts where the apostles and friends gathered to pray. These corporate prayer gatherings are the powerhouse of their witness and mission. And it seems to happen a lot. Take a read of the book of Acts for yourself and see. And Acts chapter 4 is particularly challenging for us because it gives us a model of how and why they and we should pray together. Firstly, the why. Why? Because they're in the thick of the action. They are literally doing the stuff. They're joining in the mission of God and they need to stay connected to the source of power. If you've got a mobile phone, you'll know that for it to function, it needs to be plugged into a power source each night. The more you use it, the more often it needs connecting. The power source of living this Jesus lifestyle is the Holy Spirit and prayer is the connection by which we're charged. Without prayer, We'll not see the action. I know at St Mark's it feels like we're in the thick of the action on varying levels. If we stop praying together, we'll stop seeing transformation. If we charge up more regularly, we'll see greater things yet. And then, and then what do they do? Well, generally they don't start with a lukewarm cup of tea and a stale rich tea biscuit. Firstly, they offload what's happening to the others they sort of get back and they're like bah, 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 bah. you won't believe what's happened it's amazing Jesus has been doing this and that so they spend all this time nattering and they're so excited and then they respond to all this news by raising their voices together in prayer to God 
How do they pray? Well, they begin with words of worship and thanksgiving. They don't start getting in there with requests. They say, Sovereign Lord, you made all things. They start to quote the authority of scripture and recognise that it is God working in their situation. They connect it back to the work of Jesus. They quote Psalm 2, 1-2, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? They connect what's happening to the promises of God. That promise that God would send his Holy Spirit. And so they ask for the Holy Spirit to speak God's word with great boldness. They ask for the Holy Spirit that the Lord would stretch out his hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through them in the name of Jesus. And there's this sort of holy moment that unfolds, this place where the church encounters the presence of God and they're filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Their prayers are bold, they're countercultural. There's this sort of obedience in their prayers, not only to believe that God will hear an, an answer, but that they're willing to go again into the mission field to speak God's word with boldness and to administer signs and wonders of the kingdom of God. There is a response to this prayer on their part, and it is a response of obedience. I think prayers like this should come with a warning. These prayers aren't passing the buck to God or to others. They're not saying, oh God, why don't you do this or send someone else to do this? They are calling on the name of the Lord and they are responding themselves in obedience. I love that the faithful congregation at St Mark's and St Martin's prayed for years that the church would come alive again. Sure, they may not have been expecting quite the revitalisation that they got, but as one of our clergy team, Pat, told the prayer group at St Martin's afterwards, be careful what you pray for. Even after the apostles prayed, the place is physically shaken. That's perhaps for another sermon, but it can at least tell us that this prayer encounter was powerful and effective. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So what do we do now? How can we do this stuff? How can we do prayer that is powerful and effective? Jeremy Jennings, who oversees prayer at HTB, writes about a time he was reading a news article in the Sunday Telegraph uh, entitled The Church on Its Knees. What followed was a gloomy report on the decline of church attendance. And what struck him about the title is that it wasn't the problem, the church on its knees, it was the solution the church on its knees. A healthy church is a church on its knees, praying with great expectation that the Lord hears us and that he works in the world around us, that the Lord is true to his promises and that he's calling us to come to him and be recharged and sent out. And it is true, the media continues to report on decline in the UK church and it's true for some churches, usually measured by bums on seats on Sunday mornings, but many churches are growing. For every church that closes its doors, another's planted. Globally, the church continues to grow faster than ever before. And yet, here in the UK, and here in Grimsby, it's right that we should fall to our knees in a posture of humility, calling on the name of the Lord for the revitalisation of the church. We should do that together. That should be our posture, the church on its knees. That's the UK church. But let's not ignore the state of society too. We live in a society that is in so many ways broken, toxic even, unholy, messy. 
and on its knees. It's on its knees in a different way, not in prayer, but in a lost state of desperation. What would happen if the church on its knees came alongside society on its knees, the two side by side? I think we'd see things change for good. We'd see not only the revitalisation of the church, we'd also see the transformation of society. Why? Because our corporate prayer is a heart cry and a defiant petition for the kingdom of God to come and change the regimes around us. God, and only God, alone can do what society cannot. The theologian Karl Barth wrote, To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. The church on its knees does just that. It causes the ground to shake, and the disorder of the world is met with the sovereignty of God. And as a healthy church prays, the people look at our example and see signs and wonders of the kingdom of God around us. And as they see that, they might want Jesus for themselves. At that point, we'll see the re-evangelisation of the nation as they hear and respond to the gospel. We'll see the revitalisation of the church that starts on its knees. And we'll see the transformation of society. Let's just look as we come into land here at practical ways that we can be a healthy praying church. And the first step I'd suggest is try praying alone. Praying might be a completely new thing for you, but praying alone is really important. And when we talk about joining St Mark's, we say pray, serve, give. Personal prayer is effective in seeing things change and God hears our personal prayers. In fact, he actually likes to hear us pray. Personal prayer is a way of working out and building prayer muscles. Prayer builds faith. It was just last week I was praying for one of our children not to have scary dreams and they slept through the night without them. That simple answer to prayer was a reminder uh, to me um, of the difference prayer makes. I was encouraged. Uh, my, my son was encouraged. But in these times of personal prayer, we need to learn that our responsibility is to pray but then we also need to trust God with the outcome. I think if we can start to master prayer at this level, trusting in God for an, an outcome, committing things over to him, and give thanks for things, praise God, confess, intercede, and, and so forth, if we can do it at this level, God will move us on to bigger things. And we'd love you to be praying for the life of St Mark's and for Grimsby. And, and then we should commit to praying together. I've already touched on this a bit, uh, but we see loads of examples of the early apostles gathering to pray in the early church. In Acts chapter 1, the very start of it, once Jesus has ascended, he tells his disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. And whilst they're waiting, what do they do? They gather and they pray together. And as they wait and they pray, the Holy Spirit comes like dynamite. Greek word dynamis means power. It's dynamic. The Holy Spirit is of the same root word. The Holy Spirit is dynamic and explosive. I think if we want to see, like they did in Acts, powerful witness to Jesus, if we want to see thousands coming to Christ, I don't know, maybe to start with your neighbours coming to Christ, the work of the church needs to be underpinned by a dynamic movement of prayer. It's thought that 10% of a congregation turn out at any one time for a corporate prayer gathering. Ours at St Mark's is called Kingdom Come. It's termly, we gather together to worship and pray. 
And it's in these gatherings that we seek the presence of God, where we listen to God's heart, where we practice the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we get fired up as prophetic words and words of knowledge are shared. But one thing we also do is specifically pray for the mission and ministry of the church. It was just in September this year we prayed for Alpha. And our numbers of guests at Alpha were were higher than we aimed for, higher than we prayed for. And for us, that's an encouragement on so many levels. Not least because it brings us back to our knees to pray for even greater things. I think when this momentum starts to build in corporate prayer, it attracts others to join in. You remember that small gathering of a dozen in Leipzig that grew into 300,000? Every prayer and every prayer counts. And if we can pray at this level too, then God will increase our faith for even greater things. And if we can learn to pray together, then we can learn and commit to praying for our nation God spoke some really powerful words uh, to Solomon and through Solomon at the opening and dedication of the temple. We find it in the Old Testament in in 2 Chronicles 7. I'm going to read 13 to 14. This is what's spoken out. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. What I hadn't realised, and it's really interesting about this promise, is that the people at the time were living in a period of national peace and prosperity with a strong manifest sense of God's presence. So why on earth did they need to hear this? Well, God could see ahead to darker days. And God is speaking to a people called by his name. Today, that would be us, God's church. We need to hear these words and turn to God in prayer. As we recognise that society needs to change, and that God alone can change things for the better, we're brought to our knees in prayer, alongside society on its knees, in desperation. The healing of our land requires us to call on the name of the Lord. Billy Graham great evangelist gives three keys to revival prayer prayer and prayer i wonder as you think about praying and getting involved in this what stage are you at now are you ready to pray perhaps for the first time maybe you're ready to gather with others and to pray together maybe that would be your training ground for developing your own personal prayer life too because when we begin to call on the name of the lord for our church for our town For the nations, when we bend the knee, the hinge of history will move to greater things as the kingdom of God breaks through and regimes come tumbling down. The question is, do we want that for Grimsby? Do you want that for your community? Let's believe it. Let's move it from head and heart into action, ready to obey as God equips us for a slice of the action. I'd love to wrap us up by praying and just beginning to pray and we prayed in church this week and just as you're listening in why don't you join in those prayers as well but just before we do that why don't we just ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh we just want to make sure that we're in right standing with God certainly as we come in prayer like that Chronicles passage said we need to repent we need a change of heart mind and action we need to surrender to God any unconfessed sin which is a blocker to powerful and effective prayer 
and we need to commit to live for him completely, being obedient to his perfect plans. And then we need to give thanks to God for all he's done and ask for him to fill us afresh with this Holy Spirit, to ask for that that heart cry and defiant petition for God's kingdom to come, to come and change those regimes around us. So let's just pray now. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we just lay down those things that are standing in the way of an effective prayer life. Lord, if there's anything in us that is blocking that, anything that's offensive, anything that's not of you, we come and lay it down at the cross. And we ask for your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness. And we commit to being obedient to your good plans and purposes for us. Would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Come Holy Spirit. Give us a heart cry. Give us a defined petition as we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Come and change the regimes around us for your glory. Amen.